0: Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, we're going to talk about God's powerful Word. God's powerful Word. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Let's look at it. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Let's read it one more time. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of of the heart. D.O. Moody said, it will be on the screen, he said, the Scriptures were not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. Now think about that for a moment. The Scriptures were not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. The most important book that was ever written in the history of the world is the Word of God. The most important book that you and I could ever read is the book which I hold in my hand, which is the Word of God. Millions of books have been written. A lot of books have been written that have tried to help men, that have tried to make men better. But the greatest book of all is the Bible. The greatest book of all is the B-I-B-L-E. The greatest book of all is the Word of God. And as D.O. Moody said, it has the power to change our lives. The Word of God can transform us. The Word of God can change us. The Word of God can give us life. The Word of God can turn us around. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I believe that if we will put more word in our hearts, there will be less sin in our hearts. I've come to find out, I've come to believe, this is my conclusion, that the reason people fall into sin is because they don't have enough of this in their life. That the reason people backslide, the reason people quit church, the reason people drift from God is because they get away from the Scripture, they get away from the Word of God. Because if you'll hide this in your heart, if you'll treasure this in your heart, if you'll store this up in your life, it'll keep you from sinning against God. In fact, someone once said, I don't know who it was, sin will keep you from the Bible or the Bible will keep you from sin. So tonight I want to share with you four truths about the power of the Word. Number one, God's Word is living. God's Word is Living. That's the first thing you notice in verse 12 of the text. God's Word is living. Now we know our God is alive and well. Our God is the living Word and you can't separate God from His Word. That means His Word is a living Word. This means that His Word can never be exterminated. His Word will never fade away. It will endure forever forever. Because God is eternal. His Word is eternal. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God will stand forever. Let me just say this down through history. Men have tried to get rid of the Word of God. People have tried to destroy it. They've tried to throw it in the trash. They've tried to burn it. But it still stands here today. In fact, the Bible says that the Word of the Lord is forever settled in heaven. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-four thirty-five: Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The Word will endure. Now, since God is the author of life, His living Word imparts life in two ways. First of all, God's Word imparts new life to dead sinners. You see, because of sin, we all come into this world dead in trespasses and sins. We come into this world separated from God. David said, I was shapen in iniquity. In other words, we come into this world with a sinful nature separated from from God. But God uses His Word to give new life to dead sinners. James 1.18 puts it this way, of His own will He brought us forth by the Word of truth. First Peter 1 Peter 1.23 says it like this, You have been born again not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word If you and I want to see sinners saved, they've got to be exposed to the Word of God. In other words, lost people don't need to be entertained. They need to be preached to, and they need to hear the Word of God. And yet we're living in a day where people are trying to be seeker-sensitive, and they don't want to offend people, and they don't want to try to preach the truth because they don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. But if you want lost people to be saved, and you want lives to be changed, you've got to share the truth because it is the truth that sets people free. Lost people need to hear the Word of God so they can be convicted by the Spirit of God and their life be transformed. It is the Word of God that gives life. Amen? Jesus said this in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 31. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. John said the reason I'm writing my Gospel is so that you can believe that Jesus is the Christ. His purpose was so that people would know that Jesus is the Son of God. If people are going to be convicted and converted, they have to hear what thus saith the Word of God. They don't need my opinions. They don't need my philosophies. They don't need my cute stories. They need to hear what thus saith the Lord. Amen? And yet we're living in days where people stand up and give a cute little story, and people go home, and they remain the same. People need the Bible. That's how lost people are saved. By hearing the Bible. By hearing the Word preached. But we're living in days where most churches very little preaching of the Word takes place. That's why Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Be interested in season, out of season. Preach the Word. Why? Because it's the Word that gives life to dead sinners. But secondly, God's Word imparts renewed life to His saints. Now, if you've been saved for any amount of time, there's been a season that you've gone through that's been dry. How many has ever been there? If you've served God any amount of time, you've gone through a dry spell. You've been go- you- You've gone through a season where it feels like you've been through a valley. And God seemed distant and you couldn't seem to find Him. Amen? But God will use His Word to revive you. God will use His Word to renew you. God will use His Word to spark that passion and rekindle that fire and that flame in your life. Again, Psalm 19 verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The Word of God will bring revival. The Word of God will bring refreshing. Let's look at some Scripture. Psalm 119 verse 25. My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according your word. Psalm 19 verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. Psalm 19 verse 93, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have revived me. Psalm 19107, I am afflicted very much. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. Psalm 119, 149. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness, O Lord. Revive me according to your justice. If the Bible is the Word of God and if God speaks through His Word, we should seek it like treasure and devour it as a hungry man devours a meal. We should feast on the Word of God. We should desire it more than we desire anything else. A day shouldn't go by without us spending time in the Word of God. If you're here tonight and you need to be refreshed, if you're here tonight and your walk with God has become a little bit stale and you need some reviving, spend time in the Word. And you may say, Preacher, I don't feel like spending time in the Word. Spend time in it anyway. Because I promise you there's going to be seasons in your life where you don't feel as close to God as you have in the past. Then you can't wait on a feeling to draw close to God. You just have to do what you know to do. And when you do what you know to do, God will begin to revive you. God will begin to quicken you. God, give you life and the fire begin to burn once again. The passion of God will begin to stir in your life again. And if you're here tonight and the fire is about to go out, spend time in the Word until the fire begins to burn in your life. Now before we move on to the next point, let me say this. Because this is the living Word, God is able to speak through His Word to our current needs and situations. Even though the Bible was written many centuries ago, the Holy Spirit still speaks directly to us through the Bible. You see, this book is never out of date or irrelevant. It speaks to the very issues that we face in our modern world. You see, the Bible isn't a collection of outdated stories written to first century Jews. It is the living, life-giving, life-changing Word of God. This book vibrates with life it speaks if we'll listen and so I would encourage you to read this book daily I would encourage you not to read it randomly and here's what I mean here's how some people read their Bible they just kinda and they start reading you you can't really get a whole lot from it like that you need to get a plan And you need to read consecutively. We started this year reading simply through the New Testament. One chapter a day. Monday through Friday. One chapter a day. We go through the New Testament. Next year, I don't know what we'll do. We may break it up Old Testament, New Testament. I'm not sure yet. But we need to be people who spend time in the Word. But if you'll spend time reading the Word daily, Sooner or later, God's going to speak to you from what you're reading. It will apply to your life. God will reveal Himself to you from the pages of this book and what you're going through. God will show up. And God will give you help. Amen? Amen. But secondly, God's Word is active. We get our word energy from the Greek word translated active. It means that the word works and is energizing. It means it's effective and effectual. It accomplishes what God intends for it to do. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says this, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. You see, God's Word is going to work and do what it was meant to do. In other words, it will not fail, but it will succeed. You see, God's Word is going to work. God's Word will not fail. God's Word will not return back empty. It will not return void. God will do what He promised He will do. Now, you might be thinking, what about people who hear the Word of God but reject it? Here's what Jesus said, Matthew 13, verse fourteen, fifteen. 15. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. You see, the problem is not the word of God, the problem is people's hearts. Jesus told a parable about four different souls. The soul went out to sow the seed, which is the word of God, and it fell on four different types of souls, and only one produced fruit, and the other three did not produce fruit. Well, the problem was not with the seed. The problem was with the soul. So the problem's not with the word. It's with people's hearts. Let me illustrate it like this. The same sun that hardens the clay can also soften the clay. And the same is true with the Word of God. The Word of God can draw some people, but at the same time, it repels some people. Does that make sense? People can hear the same message and be drawn. And some people can hear the same message and yet they reject it. And they're repelled and they're pushed away by it. Why? Because of the hardness of their heart. So the Word of God's going to work. And so here's the thing. People's either going to hear the Word of God and they're going to receive it. And it's going to lead to the salvation of their soul. Or they're going to hear the Word of God and they're going to reject it. And they'll stand before God and have to give an account. But eventually, inevitably, the Word of God's going to do what it was meant to do, because it is active, it is effectual, it is going to accomplish what God intended for it to do. But thirdly, God's Word is sharp and piercing. What did the writer of Hebrews say? It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow. Some people use this verse to try to draw the distinctions between soul and spirit. But that's not the author's intent. He's using figurative language to show that God's Word is sharp and it cuts deeply to the very core of our being. You see, unless your conscience is hardened beyond remedy, you can't read God's Word or hear it preached faithfully without getting cut in the conscience. Sooner or later, if you hear God's Word and it's preached to you or you read it, it's going to convict you. It's going to penetrate your heart and it's going to deal with any sin in your life. You see, the Word of God will convict you. It will pierce you. It will penetrate you as you spend time in its pages. Now, if you can read this book and it never deals with you, if you can read this book and it never convicts you of a sin, then your heart may already be hardened to the point to where... God is done with you. And that's a bad place to be. That's a place I pray that none of us would ever get to. But here's the thing about God using His Word to cut and pierce and penetrate us. God's purpose in cutting us is to bring healing, not to leave us wounded. You see, God's Word will expose what is wrong, but it will also show us how to correct what is wrong. Look at Second Timothy 3 verse 16 and 17. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Did you see that? It shows us what is true. It makes us realize what is wrong and it corrects us when we are wrong. And teaches us to do what's right. It prepares us to do what God calls us to do. So here's the thing. God will cut you so He can correct you. Now we don't like being cut. But God does it so He can correct us. God uses the Word to deal with the issues in our life. I'm glad that it does sometimes. Oh, we would love to read His Word and only get good things from it, wouldn't we? But God doesn't always give us good things when we read His Word. Sometimes God has to deal with the sin in our lives. Sometimes God has to deal with all the issues in our life that we don't want to deal with. And so that's what He does with His Word. Which leads to the final thing that I want us to look at tonight. God's Word judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. The heart refers to the totality of the inner person. We get our word critic from the word translated discerning or judge, depending on what your translation says. So the idea is that God's Word is able to authoritatively act as critic of our innermost feelings and thoughts. In other words, the Word of God is able to examine our thoughts, motives, attitudes, and intentions. You see, the Word of God is able to reveal what lies deep within us. The Word of God exposes us for who we really are on the inside. You see, we may have people fooled, we may have people looking at us thinking they really know who we are, but when you read the Word of God, it exposes you for who you really are on the inside. It discerns what is within us, whether it's good or evil. In other words, you can't keep anything hidden from God. You can't keep secrets from Him. You see, the Word of God is able to permeate every part of man and reach into the inner secrets of man's mind to discern his thoughts and intent. But not only are we exposed to the Word, we're exposed before God. Look at verse 13 of Hebrews 4. No creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Think about this. God sees everything. Nothing is hidden from God's sight. He sees every thought, intention, and attitude, no matter how secretly these are held. He sees every deed, no matter how secretly it was accomplished. And when we read His Word, it reads us and exposes us for who we are. Again, you might fool people, but you can't fool God. You see, God uses His Word to talk to us about our secret thoughts. And through His Word, He helps us to confront our problems and our struggles. You see, some of us here tonight, we may have issues that nobody else knows about, but when you read this Word, it exposes your issues. I want to say to us tonight that the Word of God is our greatest weapon against temptation. The Word of God is our greatest weapon against the flesh. Again, what the psalmist said, Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin." against them, if you're struggling with your flesh, whatever it may be, if you'll put this in your heart, it will help you to overcome it. If we will read it, study it, apply it, meditate on it, it will transform our lives. In closing, I want to give you just five practical action steps that will help you spend more time in the Word of God. Number one, Treasure God's Word above all worldly counsel. It amazes me at how believers can pay good money to psychologists to get advice that doesn't line up with God's Word. And people will say, well, I need advice on practical relational problems. Why do you think the Bible was written? Can I tell you how you can summarize the entire Bible? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. You can't get any more practical than that. That's pretty relational, isn't it? Love God and love your neighbor. Do you realize when God gave the Ten Commandments, and then Jesus comes along and says, Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. In those two, He summarized the whole ten. And do you realize that if in our world today we love God, love people, everything would be so much better in our world? And yet believers will pay people, Will pay. Psychologists, good money to try to get advice without ever seeking God's Word. But hear me. It's a sin to neglect God's Word and turn to the empty wisdom of this world. It's a sin. Let me also say this. It's just dumb. This book contains everything we need to live our lives. But secondly, read study, memorize, and meditate on God's Word. The Word won't do you any good if you don't know what it says. This book cannot help you if you don't know what it says. You've got to memorize key verses because you won't obey it if it's not in your heart. If you don't put this book inside of you, you can't obey it. If it's not hidden in here, You can't live it out. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Let me ask you this. Do you delight in the law of the Lord? And on his law he meditates some of the time. Is that what it says? No, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. How many want some steadfastness and stability in your life? You've got to get this book in your life. That yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Notice this, in all that He does, He prospers. It all revolves around getting this book in your life. Apply, trust, and obey God's Word. The point of Bible study isn't to fill your head with knowledge about end times or theological arguments to support your favorite views. It's to change your heart and life. What I say D.L. Moody said, The Scriptures aren't to give us information, but to change our lives. We study the Bible to obey it, not just to know it. Hearing without doing leads to self-deception. James 1.22 says this, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Think about that. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. In the second chapter of James will say faith without works is dead. Let me also say this. Knowledge makes a person proud. 1 Corinthians 8.1, concerning food offered, now concerning food offered to idols. We know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. When a person has biblical knowledge but they have no application, they become proud. And they're not real loving. This book was never given to us just so we could be smarter than everybody else. And there's a lot of people who know this book from cover to cover but they're not, they're, there's not a lot of application. There's not a lot of living it out. And they're mean and critical and nasty. And God's not pleased. Number four, live with your heart exposed to God's Word. Don't cover up any sinful thoughts. If the word convicts you, stop and confess it to God. If you're reading your Bible and God convicts you, don't, don't shrug it off. Don't pass on and keep on reading. But confess it to God. Deal with it. If God brings something to your mind that maybe you need to go to somebody and ask forgiveness, we'll get on the phone or get in your car, find a way to go make it right with God. Number five. Take in all of the biblical preaching you can absorb. Be diligent to saturate yourself with God's Word. Take in the Word of God as much and as often as possible. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the Word of Christ. If we want our faith to grow, if we want our faith to increase, we've got to put the Word of God inside of us. And it's possible now more than we ever thought possible. If you have a smartphone, you, you, you can put an app on your phone and you can listen to it while you ride down the road. You can put some headphones on and you can listen to the Word of God. You can fill your life with the Word of God. You can subscribe to podcasts and listen to preaching 24 hours a day. God's Word is powerful. But God's Word can't do anything for you if you don't put it in your life. And I'm afraid that for the average Christian, the average believer, the only time they ever get exposed to the Word of God is when they show up to church. If that's the only time you get exposed to the Word of God, that's not near enough. You're spiritually malnourished and you're going to struggle in your faith. You're going to struggle in your walk with God. None of us would think of only eating one or two times a week. Would we? I mean, we're not just going to eat one meal a week, two meals a week. We're not just going to eat one meal a day. I can promise you, I don't just eat one meal a day. But yet when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to the Word of God, many of us, we snack on it here and there. And we never really get into it. And then we wonder why we struggle. We wonder why it seems the devil runs over us and we never have victory. Because we never give ourselves to the Word of God. If we will apply ourselves to reading this book, to knowing this book, it can change our lives. Amen.